welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue. You're, the Cubs are expanding capacity at Wrigley Field, and this girl finally has a bleacher ticket for the first time in two years home for baseball news, updates, and banter. We're the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, part of the SB Nation family of team sites. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you enjoy our baseball banter, make sure you leave a five-star review to help other people find Cup of Cubby Blue for baseball season. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs for Bleed Cubby Blue and about various baseball things at Fangraphs. I'm Andy Cruz Vanasek, and I'm unsure if I remember how to do this. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like nervous. Like, I'm like, I have like butterflies. Like, I'm nervous, excited. So bear with me, you guys. Like, I have not done one of these in a very long time. Sarah's been doing them on and off, which I've had the pleasure of listening to. And she's, of course, killing it everywhere she goes. But I'm, I feel a little new. I feel a little new at this. So, so bear with me, guys. Andy, podcasting is like riding a bike. You're, you're going to be great. I think we've got this. <laughs> well, and it's like, since when am I not good at talking? <laughs> like, like, I'm always good at talking. That's like one thing I pride myself on being good at. So hopefully I can get through this without being too painful. But I am so excited to be joining you, seeing you. We're trying something new this time, which is really cool. So I'm very excited and I'm happy to be back talking baseball. Yeah, same. I'm so excited to be back too. And you know, just a quick note to clue people in on where did you go? You had the season preview and then you kind of fell off the map. Look, y'all, I, I'll just speak for myself. I started this gig at Fangraphs at the start of the season that added to my baseball writing responsibilities in addition to my day job. And it was just really hard to find a time to schedule that where we matched up. And so I really appreciate Andy taking time out of her busy schedule to do this. We will get back on track, y'all. But sometimes when life changes happen, you just have to figure out ways to reschedule things. And it takes a while to get everything aligned again. Well, and I will have to say my calendar is an absolute nightmare these days. Um, it's it's good stuff. It's good, fun stuff. Work is crazy. But um, I have a kid who's playing elite basketball. I mean, she's playing, uh, made a really, you know, good team that she's practicing pretty much six days a week. I have another kid that's full swing and dance competition right now, competition season. And my youngest is playing soccer for um, a select team. So we're crazy busy. Yeah, it's nuts over here. It's nuts. But um, I have managed to catch some baseball and um, I have managed to miss talking baseball with my friend Sarah very much. So yeah, if you guys can't tell, I'm I'm like super excited. I have a lot of energy right now. I'm like raring to go. I wish there was baseball on right now though. Like that would just make this perfect. <laughs> I mean, there's there's some, some game on somewhere, but not a Cubs game. We're recording this on an off day. And speaking of which, let's just jump right in. What is going on with this team? The Cubs are currently 17 and 19. They just dropped two games to a pretty good baseball team from Cleveland. They, you know, were facing some really great pitching uh, in Bieber and their closer, man, that class A dude who throws like 102 miles per hour on every pitch. That is wild. But they were kind of heartbreaking losses, one run games. You really were hoping that you would get something better than that. Plus, the Cubs are currently four and a half games in back of the Cardinals. And you know how we feel about Devil Bird Magic, y'all. So we got to get them to stop being all magical. And we got to figure out what's going on with this Cubs team. Andy, what do, you, what do you think and where can it go from here? Well, listen, I would much rather take heartbreak of losing two games in a series than, you know, um, 
being up 4-0 on a World Series and coming back and losing. So <laughs> I'll take the heartbreak of losing two regular season games in 2021 than the heartbreak that they have from 2016, which you know haunts them every single time the Cubs come to town. So, uh, I, you know, these were these were tough games. They were heartbreakers because they were, you felt like, very winnable games. Um, Shane Bieber, which I had to just stop myself right there because I'm going to say Justin Bieber. I mean, you guys know <laughs> I have teenagers and Justin Bieber is going to fly out of my mouth. So Shane Bieber. <laughs> I, literally I, like- him, I literally called him Justin Bieber on Will Chase's podcast like yesterday. And I was like, I cannot believe I just I know better, but I couldn't help it. I almost put like cue cards up and like with Shane really big. So I like all I was looking at was just Shane and not Justin. Anyways, so we knew that was going to happen. I have teenagers. We listen to Justin Bieber around here. Okay, Shane Bieber, the really good pitcher. (laughs) I am really happy with what we saw um, from the Cubs versus him. He, you know, his his stuff is nasty. He's he's been a, a very consistent pitcher, somebody that is dominant. I mean, he's a dominant pitcher and pretty much any lineup he faces. And so for the Cubs to come out the way that they did and, um, and play and their aggressive approach, I think really paid off. Um, I love what we're seeing on the base paths as far as stretching out crazy singles into doubles, stealing bases, any kind of ball bobble or anything like that behind the plate and they're on second base. I love that. And I think that's going to create a lot of opportunities for them down the stretch against a lot of different teams. Um, you know, they're going to push some catchers. They're going to put some pressure on the guy on the mound besides making pitches. He's got to be able to keep his runners on. And I love that. I think that is a new look for the Cubs because obviously they're not, they weren't really a threat to steal bases. So um, there's a lot of good things out of the ball that we're seeing. You hate to see them lose two games like what they did, but again, I'll take the heartbreak of losing two regular seasons of two, 2021 than you know the heartbreak that we gave to the to the baseball team in Cleveland in 2016. Totally, and you know one of the things that I wrote about recently for Fangraphs is the Cubs' boom and bust offense. Which, if you've been watching this team. Since I mean, even when they were really good in 2016 and 2017, they would just have these offensive outages where they'd go like six or seven games, two hits, one hit, zero runs, one run. And we've all sort of theorized about it for a while, but I actually took some time and went back and looked at exactly how many games were in that circumstance. Because if, if you'll recall, at the start of the season, the Cubs offense looked historically bad. I mean, they were just not hitting the baseball. The only hits they were getting were home runs. They... Uh, a walk or two would just result in the runner standing there forever until three outs were made. It, it was really, really frustrating and not pretty to watch. And it's been nice to watch them sort of bust out of that a little bit. They're getting really nice uh, offensive production from some role players like Matt Duffy, who, hi, if you told me that Matt Duffy was going to be the savior of the Cubs offense in 2018, I would have laughed at you and like really just kind of been like, scoffed and like get out of here there's there's no way but it turns out that Matt Duffy is very much like that Zobristian bat that the Cubs offense needs it needs to have a few of those guys sprinkled throughout there right like the other person I think that we saw have that kind of impact on the Cubs offense and hopefully he is coming back soon maybe even as soon as tomorrow we are recording this on Thursday the 13th of May is Nico Horner who's just another great contact bat who keeps things moving, you know what I mean? So that you're not constantly waiting for that moonshot home run. 
Well, um, I think for, for me, Matt Duffy, who I absolutely have fallen in love with, I mean, he is just one of those clutch players that he's got nothing to lose. There's no pressure on him. Nobody knows his name. He's just one of those guys that goes out there and hustles and really puts his nose down and works. He reminds me of those players that you and I had have talked about before, like that the Cardinals produce. You know, some random triple A comes up and just kills the Cubs. Like Matt Duffy reminds me of that kind of player. And I'm hoping that he repays the favor. So um, obviously that series is next week, but uh, you know, Matt Duffy has been huge. Nico Horner, I mean, just out of his mind offensively and really brought a spark, I think to this lineup when, when he came up and um, yeah, you hate to see him go down, you know, he went down because of a hustle play and you hate to see stuff like that happen, but in the same breath, you love to see guys like that really putting it out there and showing their team that, you know what, I'm going to put my body on the line. This team means everything to me. I'm going to do what is asked of me. And there's a lot of players in this lineup right now doing what is asked of them. I agree with that. One of those players who unfortunately just hit the IL is Jake Marisnik, who, man, okay, so when the Cubs acquired Jake Marisnik, one of the things, I went back and looked at this piece that I wrote, that I wrote was, you're not going to get the Jake Marizic who had kind of a breakout with a 140-something WRC plus for the Mets in the shortened season. And actually, I think the Cubs kind of got that. Jake Marizic has been awesome. Before he got hurt, his WRC plus was 160. He All he was doing is getting extra base hits and making things happen because he is so freaking fast. Plus, like actually a center fielder, a dude who is, who is supposed to play center field. I, there hasn't been a real center fielder on this team since Dexter Fowler went to St. Louis. I, I am just like, it's it's amazing to see what a real center fielder does. Um, let's not forget to mention his hair because holy wow, that is impressive. <laughs> that he has got a good head of locks right there. So he is he's killing it on all fronts for, for the Chicago Cubs. And the one thing that makes me nervous about his injury too is stuff like that can be nagging. And you're gonna notice he's probably gonna lose a step in the outfield when he comes back, just because he's gonna be very I mean, Wilson Contreras was the same way when he had a hamstring issue. You don't see him when he came back, you didn't see him busting it down the line like he was just because that injury is so easy to re-aggravate. And so you don't want to push it too hard and find yourself back on, on the IL. And if you notice, if you watch the game where he got hurt, you see him in the tunnel and he is furious. Like, obviously it wasn't his fault. It's something that happens. Injuries like that happen, but he was just so frustrated. He's been playing really good baseball and if, you know, being in his shoes or trying to think in his shoes. Yeah. That's really hard to, to swallow because you're playing great baseball you know, the team is playing good. You feel like he has definitely been a spark for the team as well. So yeah, it's it's a frustrating thing, but hopefully we're getting all of this out of our system in the beginning of the season and we can get everyone back healthy and on the field together and, you know, hopefully put some good baseball together. Absolutely. Speaking of the injured list, it is not just Jake Marisnik. I mean, Nico Horner, we mentioned a minute ago, it looks like he might be coming back as soon as Friday. Ian Happ is not going to be coming back on Friday. He's dealing with some bruised ribs, I believe, from that collision with Nico, but he he will be back sooner rather than later. I actually just have a piece looking at Hap's struggles early this season, so we can talk about that in a second. Jake Arrieta had a cut on his thumb, and he will be coming back. I think he's making the start on Friday for the Cubs, or at least that's what I saw in their probable pitcher. 
notes. And then Jock Peterson just got off the injured list. And I actually think that the Jock Peterson that we've seen since he got off the injured list is fire. I am loving all of these three hit games from Jock. I felt so bad for him during the Dodgers series when it looked like he had walked off, hit a walk off home run against his old team. And he kind of did the bat flip and he did the celebration. And then the Wrigley wins that Jock is not <laughs> used to stole his joy and his face just crumpled. <laughs> Well, I'm not going to lie, it's still my joy, too, because I wanted that so badly for him. I mean, I was pulling one of those, you know, where I'm, like, trying to blow the ball out of the outfield, you know, that sort of thing, <laughs> like, trying, trying to get him his home run that he needed so badly. But, yeah, I think that um, the Jack Peterson that started uh, the season kind of cold, you know, we wanted the Jack Peterson from spring training who was just absolutely lighting it up. And the Jack Peterson that started the regular season, I think – you know, that's a night and day situation, but I think we got the good jock now. I think he is, he's been fire lately. He's, he's gotten a couple opportunities hitting off of left-handers, which he's, um, or I'm sorry, hitting off of right-handers because he is a lefty where he's not been the best and he's absolutely mashing it. So yeah, I mean, it's good to see him catch a little bit of fire. Good to see him pull his way in the outfield wherever he's needed. I mean, we've seen a little bit of him out in center field um, because of the injuries and kind of, you know, swapping people around at different positions. And, um, you know, KB was under the weather. So you see, you've seen a mix of different guys in the outfield. And I just think um, the, that it's uh, awesome to watch these professionals who obviously got hired to play a certain position are so willing to give up their, you know, whatever they need to, to give up to, to help the team out. And I think this is really fun to watch. I love Jack Peterson and he, I think he makes a great addition to this team. I'm just hoping that he can stay fire for a little bit longer. I love that. Yeah, Jock, we are pulling for you here at Cup of Cubby Blue. Let's talk about Ian Happ for a minute. I just had a piece go live on Bleed Cubby Blue about Ian Happ's early struggles. And, you know, it's funny. A lot of times when I do these statistical deep dives on a player who is struggling, it takes me a bit. I have to run a whole bunch of numbers or look peek around their leaderboards to see what is actually happening. With Ian Happ, it was crystal clear, and it was crystal clear immediately. Ian Happ's launch angle has collapsed. He's normally like an 11.9 degree launch angle guy. That's not like, he's not like a Daniel Murphy launch angle type person, but you know, that's good enough that he's going to hit a lot of line drives. Occasionally he's going to lean into one and get a home run out of it. It is cratered to 3.3 degrees in 2021. And as a result, his ground ball rate is through the roof. It, it is approaching 55%, which means Ian Happ is still hitting the ball really hard. He is just hitting the ball in the dirt and it's turning into outs and double plays more often than anything else. Right before Hap got hit, the same game as the collision, he was having an excellent game. He was like three for five. He had a double, a home run. This was that 12 to 13, like absolutely bananas game against the Reds. I kind of thought maybe Hap had turned a corner and then he was out. So we don't know if that was an aberration or if that was the start of something great. What do you think about Ian Hap, Andy? Well, I mean, somebody like him who is also a, a player that puts everything on the line for his team and his teammates, um, you hate to see them struggle in any way. You know that it's they put so much on themselves. And with him starting off, uh, was it last season or the season before? I don't even know. It's COVID time, right? So one of these seasons he started in the minor leagues, which was really hard for him to swallow. And um, it, two seasons ago, thank you, Sarah, for the, the hand gestures. <laughs> 
<laughs> two seasons ago, he started in the minors and you know, that was really hard on him. And we all know what kind of worker he is, what kind of teammate he is. And you know, the, the kind of play that he's used to putting on the field, or at least, you know, the expectations he puts on himself, you can just tell he's that kind of guy. Um, so it's really hard to, to hear that 2000, 2000, <laughs> I could talk, I promise. 2021 has been a struggle for him thus far. I mean, this is a season that um, you kind of, you didn't really know which direction the wind was going to blow for a lot of guys just because of the weird season last year, um, the dynamics, and I'm speaking specifically about the Chicago Cubs, the dynamics of the off season, you know, he lost a lot of friends, quote unquote, off this roster. So, you know, you, you kind of wonder if he's still trying to, to find his identity now. I mean, you know that he is a leader of some sort on this team. He's somebody that the, I think the Cubs organization has kind of put some trust in to, to fill that role. So I'm sure that he's putting way more pressure and overanalyzing what he's doing way more than anybody else's. And I really hope that he is able to turn a corner. And I, I think, you know, he's a professional and he is a, a, a teammate. And so before anything else, you know, he wants to contribute. And it, it's not just about him hitting what I mean it is, but in his mind, he just wants to be able to contribute. So whether he's taking walks, however he's getting on base, you know that he's going to, you know, really push for that angle. So, you know, the hustle is always going to be there with him. I'm not, I'll never be worried about that. It's just a matter of you want to see him do well because you know that he's another one of those players that the second he starts to to, you know, catch a little bit of fire, you know, you kind of feel the atmosphere lighten up a little bit. He's definitely somebody that likes to have fun. And he's kind of a jokester. If you watch in the dugout, you know, he was the toaster guy or the waffle maker guy. So you'd like to see that Ian Happ come back around. Hopefully we can find that guy. Hopefully when he is um, back up off the IL and, and healed and, and, you know, back to being himself and able to take swings that, you know, don't cause him pain. He is able to be that loose, fun guy. And maybe, you know, in turn that, you know, makes him loose and fun at the plate and he's able to, to start doing what he's used to doing. Absolutely love all of that. Hap, we are looking forward to the return of you, your waffle maker, and hopefully some line drives and home runs. Uh, does this team, actually develop pitching now. So I want to switch gears for a second because after so many years of waiting for Advert to make it to the majors and for this like pitch lab to actually develop some guys who were going to come up and be difference makers, I kind of feel like, are we there? Because Advert is actually, I, I was stunned. I looked at his walk rates the other day across and admittedly very small seasons, but this has been where, where that he had, where he has struggled the most as a pitcher. And he is walking guys only 1.97% of the, or 1.97 walks per nine innings in 2021. That is down from like a 6.8 uh, BB per nine two seasons ago. So he has really, really honed in on that. And he hasn't done it in a way that has hurt his K percentage. Like his K rate is actually still really great and above average. So I, I I'm going to go out on a limb here. I think Adbert is like a number two starter that you could build. You can build a rotation around Kyle Hendricks and Adbert Alzali into the future. And, and I am thrilled about this. Plus we've got dudes like Trevor McGill coming up and I'm like, did Trevor McGill always throw 98? Cause I don't remember that. Don't and when he showed up throwing 98, I was like, who did this? I don't even know. Andy, do, do we have an actual pitching development team? 
Listen, if we're judging this based on Adbert, then I would say, heck yes. Um, I love what we're seeing from this kid. He is just, he's so dynamite. And like, um, I don't remember which game it is now. And I apologize that note taking is just not, I'm not able to do it these days when I watch games. I'm lucky I get to see games. But he had a start in, it, it wasn't his last start. It might have been two or three ago. He was going up against a big name pitcher who I cannot remember, but he was, I mean, just lights out. I think his very first at batter, I think he, he the count was like three and one or something. And you were kind of like, oh, no, he's going to start figuring out how to pitch balls. And so I was a little, you know, a little worried about that. But after that, he sat down everybody for like three straight innings. And it was a nationally broadcast game because the broadcasters kept mentioning the other pitcher that he was going against. They were not saying anything about Adbert. And it was like really annoying because especially when you're a Cubs fan watching this, because you're like, this kid has come so far and he is somebody that we know, and we have a lot of hopes and expectations for him. So for them to not even mention the fact that he's setting down all these, I want to say it was against the Dodgers. I want to say it was against Trevor Bauer. Um, but he was just lights out. And so finally, at one point, I think he had six innings or maybe that was even a, um, a seven inning game. He had like seven or eight strikeouts, just was dominant. And they finally started saying, you know, it's about time. We probably should talk about Edward Alzali. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> like, Hello. <laughs> so I'm just I'm so excited about what this kid has been doing. I love, love, love. And I know we mentioned this a little bit um, our last podcast that his friendship with Jake Arrieta, I think, is really um, helping him blossom, really helping him, you know, see things that maybe he wasn't seeing before. And, you know, we all know that with the kind of person Jake Arrieta is just from his previous time with the Cubs and, you know, the kind of reputation he has, the interviews he gives. Um, you know, for him to be matched up with someone like Adbert, I just don't see anything but good things coming from that. And Adbert obviously has shown us that there is so much potential there. He is already dominant. He's already finding his way. I just think, you know, his, the sky is a limit for him. Honestly, his ceiling is so high. I look forward to watching him continue to progress. So do I. I can't actually find the start that you're talking about, but I know what you're talking about. And I, it's bugging me. So I'm definitely going to go down a rabbit hole <laughs> with this one later. But I, I agree. I think that Alzale has been such an incredible revelation this season. I remember the last spring training start, which is really where I re thought started to think, oh, yeah, this guy, this kid has it and he is going to do it this season. It's going to be great. Albert Alzali was starting for the Cubs. Uh, Dustin May was starting for the Dodgers. And both of them set down the first nine guys like in order. And I was just like, this is going to be so much fun. I cannot wait for this. I actually think that is the start that got Alzali that last spot in the rotation. I think that, I mean, how do you turn the kid away when he's setting down the supposedly world beating Dodgers in order in late March? You don't, you, you let that kid pitch and you write it and you see what happens, you know? So we are thrilled, huge fans of Adbert here on the show, looking forward to seeing what he does next, super excited about the bullpen arms that are coming up. You know, we got Trevor McGill. I think Justin Steele has been outstanding this season. Dylan Maples kind of looks like he might be harnessing whatever, like, wild thing he has going on that is totally and incredibly unhittable and turning it into a, a, a usable reliever career. So don't sleep on Dylan Maples because that, that kid 
has closer type stuff if he ever figures out how to stop hitting people and walking people. Um, so I just pulled up the game. Sorry to go back to this, yeah, yeah. but because I know it was going to drive you nuts. Um, it was the Wednesday, May 5th game against um, Cinco de Mayo. How did I forget that? Um, against the Dodgers. And it was um, Walker Bueller, who is the pitcher he was going up against. And he actually had seven strikeouts that game. Awesome. Um yeah, so uh, that was definitely uh, a bit annoying. I remember because it was an ESPN televised game because they had two in a row, I believe, that were televised on ESPN. So, um, and Alsley ended up pitching five innings. So not quite um, what I had said. Obviously, I was trying to go off of my horrible memory. So apologies there. Um, I'm sorry, what was the question? <laughs> oh, no. And I was just naming some bullpen guys who I think are also success stories oh. from the pitch line. But I appreciate you looking that up because I went back and found the Bauer start, which was the second game there. I was at um, one of these games. I don't remember which one it is off the top of my head now. I can't remember if I was at the day game or at the later game. Whatever. Baseball is back and I've been to baseball games and it's incredible. <laughs> I'm so jealous. I I have to wait until next weekend, but I get to go to two of the three here in St. Louis. Amazing. So. Oh, it was the Bauer yeah. game that I was at. And the reason I knew, <laughs> the reason I remember that is because my score on my scorecard, okay, everybody, I am sort of childish on my scorecard sometimes. I put nicknames and things on there sometimes. And for Bauer, I definitely put Booer instead of Bauer. And there were a lot of boos, y'all, at Wrigley Field for Mr. Bauer. Oh, my goodness. Um <laughs> I love it. I love it. I listen, I will I my the name I would have wrote probably would have been much worse than that. So <laughs> well, well, we'll we'll talk about those names we might have wrote it, uh during the commercial break because you know this is a family friendly show and we don't we don't really share all those names <laughs> in the air. But after a quick word from our sponsors, we have a lot more Cup of Cubby Blue for you. We're gonna look ahead to the Tiger series preview. We're gonna talk about what we can expect to see from the Cubs bats and from their pitchers. We're also going to look ahead to the Nationals series because that Tiger series is a short one. And maybe we'll talk about expanded capacity and the chances that Andy and I might get to hang out in the bleachers at Wrigley Field some point this season in 2021. But first, a quick break. All right, we are back. The Cubs are headed to Detroit. I mean, on paper... All advantages Cubs, right? <laughs> well, yeah. I'm just looking at this and look. The, the Cubs <laughs> offense has not been the most reliable thing in the history of the world lately. They only have four above average hitters who are qualified by WRC+. Plus, but that excludes some guys who have been pretty good, like Nico, Jake Marisnik, who would be on this list if they were qualified. But the t so so let's let's talk about those bats. You've got Chris Bryant, who's got WRC plus this season of 180. Wilson is at 122. Rizzo's at 117. Javi, who is struggling with some strikeouts but still putting up ridiculous power numbers, is at 111. The Tigers, by comparison, have the following hitters who are over a 100 WRC plus. Robbie Grossman is at 120. Our old friend Jamar Candelario is at 119, and Nico Goodrum and Akil Badu are at 112. That is not as impressive as what I just said about the Cubs, at least not to me. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, definitely on paper, you would think they would have this series. Um, this could be a good series for them to get 
heated back up to carry some momentum into a couple big series next week. Um, you know, I, I find it hard and this probably sounds absolutely ridiculous coming off of a, a season that was very strange and very different, but I find it very hard to get like pumped up for a tiger series being that we have Washington next week and then St. Louis after that. So like, those are the two series that I'm really like eyeing down and paying attention to for obvious reasons. But like this tiger series, I kind of feel like a little spring training ish. And that sounds so spoiled because we went like half a season without baseball last year. So I should get hyped about everything. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's not a whole lot of um, big names to talk about on the Tigers lineup. Um, you know, you really hope to see some of these Cubs bats heat up. Some of these guys are, are riding the struggle bus a little hard. You know, I'd love to see Javi, actually like have a good series that he can ride that momentum into the next two series you just you know you that's kind of the way you have to approach these um series where you don't feel like the level of talent matches up do not play down to your competition that's all I can say I think that's very important to remember and I think um while it's important to have fun and stay loose I think it's also very important to go in there and play smart, aggressive baseball like you've been playing and walk away with some good, maybe even lopsided wins, you know, get your offense going. Now don't spend it all in Detroit, (laughs) save some, (laughs) but definitely have, have a series, you know, Yeah, save, save some runs for the return to Wrigley guys. Uh, You know, the pitching matchups here are kind of interesting and Andy kind of hit on this, this idea. There's, there's nobody terrifying coming up in this series, but the Cubs starting pitching hasn't been that great either. It certainly is not outside of Adbert, who we just spent ages gushing about. And and also Keegan Thompson, who had a lovely debut against the Dodgers. That was impressive. This is not what the Cubs were hoping for out of this rotation. You've got Jake Arrieta gets the Friday game, and we're so happy to see Jake off the IL and coming back. He, he's got a 4.31 ERA, he's three and three. Um, I think a lot of those wins were like Pirates wins and stuff. So it's not really like Jake has been great against other teams. But frankly, the ti- the Tigers aren't that much better than the Pirates. So maybe he can get another one of those wins here. He'll he'll face off against Tarek Skubal. Andy, what do you think of this Arietta Skubal matchup? Well, you know, I'm just excited to see Jake back out there. And hopefully, you know, nothing is a carryover from his little um, IL stint. You, you kind of want to see him go out there and have a good, strong start. Um, you know, I, I I don't I don't really watch American League Baseball. I'm just going to admit it. And so, you know, to see a team like this is kind of it's different for me. I'm going to see a lot of names for the first time. Um, but, it, you know, it, it's Jake Arrieta. You know, I mean, like, that's that's all I'm going to be watching. I'm just going to be quite honest. <laughs> Fair enough. Let's move to Saturday's matchup, which has Trevor Williams going up against Jose Arana. Uh, You know, Williams has really struggled the last couple of times that he's been out, particularly on the road. He is 0-2 with a 10.64 ERA uh, on the road this season. Any chance he can find some something a little bit better than that against the Tigers? Oh, man, I hope so. Uh, you know, I'm all about the hair on this team right now. Like the hair is great. Trevor Williams, that's the, that's his highlight for me. I love that hair. That is good hair. I, you know, I don't, 
I have not loved what I've seen from Trevor Williams thus far. I feel like when we played against him, he was a lot better than what I've seen so far this year. Um, you know, it, we've had other pitchers that have come into the organization and not had their best starts. So I'm not entirely like worried, like, you know, throw him away type worried, but I hope that he is able to figure something out because, um, you know, when we, when we got him, it was kind of one of those things where I was like, okay, I mean, that's a decent, a decent start, right? Every, you know, fifth day, somebody that will at least give us a good shot of winning ball games. And I just haven't felt like that. Like I haven't felt like he's been the Trevor Williams that I knew of before he was a Chicago Cubs. So I'm really hoping that he figures that part out and we see something of, I don't even, he wasn't dominant, I wouldn't say, but he definitely handled lineups. Like he, like I said, he's definitely somebody that gave, I felt like would give us a good chance to win ball games. So we need to get back to that level of Trevor Williams and then we can focus on, you know, the hair and the getting even better. Absolutely. And then the last matchup on Sunday is Kyle Hendricks against Matthew Boyd. And Boyd has actually been pretty solid this season. And Hendricks has been uncharacteristically not solid. Although I do want to say I I did a deep dive on what was going on with Kyle Hendricks, um, not before his last start, a couple of starts prior to that, specifically because he's giving up home runs at a rate he has never given up in his career. He's literally giving up three times the number of home runs that he normally has. And Hendricks's whole game is like soft contact, pristine location. So when guys start hitting him really hard, that is a huge problem. I I just want to say, I don't think that what happened in his last outing against the Pirates was the same as what was going on with those outings against the Atlanta Braves. And, and I know that the line might look similar to you. You're like, oh my gosh, he gave up all these runs in the first inning. The difference between giving up four home runs that are no doubt moonshots to the Braves and giving up a lot of bloop singles that came off the bat 63 miles per hour to the Pirates is is (laughs) night and day. The only reason that Hendricks wasn't out of that um, first inning with the Pirates a lot sooner is because the defense kind of let him down a little bit in terms of where they were positioned on a few of those soft hit balls. So I'm hoping that Hendricks in particular can channel more of that, get some more soft contact and hopefully have a nice comeback start against this Tigers team. Man, I mean, the luck of that poor guy, like it was just one bloop after another. And you rarely even see two hits like that, let alone an entire inning that scored, what, four runs? I mean, it was so painful. Like my heart was just, you know, and it's Kyle Hendricks. He's already not had his typical standard Kyle Hendricks start of the season. And then to have a game like this where it's like, couldn't it have happened to somebody else? Like just somebody else, you know, the poor guy, as much as he is so poker faced and he is so mechanical in his ways and his interviews and everything, you know, he is still so bothered by the way that he has started this season and the starts that he's put up for this team. Um, You know, I just, I really, I, I don't expect to see everything go back to normal in one game, but I would at least like to see a move in the old Kyle Hendricks direction. You know, Um, can we get through a game without a stupid blue pit? You know, can we get through a game without somebody mashing a 450 foot bomb off of them? You know, I mean, these are just things that I think baby steps and I will be fine. And you know, this, this is the part that gets me the most is that how many years of Kyle Hendricks being Kyle Hendricks, have we talked about 
he is a silent, deadly candidate for the Cy Young. I mean, we've said it, but not to the extent that we said it this offseason, and now look where we're at. So never again will I speak about Kyle Hendricks. While he more than deserved it in seasons past, this season obviously is a different Kyle Hendricks. But I just feel like the jinx gods probably did not help him this season, this offseason. So I'm prepared to see a different Kyle Hendricks over his next couple starts. He is a very smart man. He knows what he needs to do. He is a student of the game as well as a professor. And he like studies every single matchup he has. So there's no doubt in my mind that he is doing everything he needs to do to get back to the level of pitching that he was at previous to 2021. So it's funny that you bring up Kyle Hendricks and how he struggled this year because I actually put money on Kyle Hendricks to win the Cy Young this year and I never make bets like that but the odds were so out of whack that I was like this is insulting I'm throwing $100 at this. I I will say I do wonder if it's if the new ball has been hard for him to adapt to and figure out I know that a lot of pitchers are are like really quickly adapted to it they like the way the seams felt and and we definitely have like a year of the pitcher on our hands hello four no hitters plus like a fifth seventh inning no hitter that doesn't count uh the I think that if you are a control artist who was not like a big fastball breaking ball type of person the new ball might have actually hurt you more than it helped you like we've seen it with Zach Davies We've seen it with Kyle Hendricks. I think that some of these pitchers who had a slightly different mix than the power arms that are dominating the league are trying to figure out exactly what the sweet spot is with that new piece of equipment. And once they do, I fully anticipate they will go back to their normal selves. I mean, we just saw a great start from Zach Davies where he looked exactly like what the Cubs hoped they were getting. And I am hopeful that Kyle Hendricks is going to be the exact same story as he gets used to the new baseball. Yeah, I was kind of hoping that you would bring that up because I think that that has probably affected more aspects of the game than we realize. And um, it's definitely not something like I know that there are so many opinions about the makeup of the ball and all that good stuff. I mean, we can, you know, talk about the shift and the guy at second. I mean, there's always going to be there's these nuances to the game. And it, it just I just feel like there's some that are controllable and there's some that aren't. I wish the elements of the game, like the makeup of the ball, they would stop messing with it. Find a makeup and and leave it and just be done with it. Because this every year BS is really, it's aggravating. I mean, to the average fan who goes to maybe one game a season, or maybe not even one game, but, you know, catches a couple games on TV a week, that sort of thing. It, they don't, think about things like that. It's not even something that crosses their mind. To people like us who study every inning of the game or like, you know, really dissect baseball, it's so it's so hard to to get an accurate read on the talent level, um, you know, the performance wise, you know, are numbers accurate for this particular player this this year? They're going to get a contract based on those numbers or they're not going to get a contract based on those numbers. It's like you guys have to stop playing with the variables. Like they have to be just consistent so that we can get, you know, if this is the way it's going to be for everyone, then we need to know that. So, you know, then we can start to to really 
put together and, and see people's performances for what they truly are rather than all the different variables that are changing each year. And you watch players be affected by that too. So I just, I can't stand that. Like I'm kind of done with it. Let's just make the ball and be done with it. it. This is, it's good this way, or it's not good this way, whatever, but just leave it. <laughs> I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that it's such a problem for MLB that they have this constantly shifting rule book and this guy they're like oh we're gonna tweak this we're gonna tweak that we're gonna we're gonna create more offense by changing the ball except you didn't you just created a bunch of flyouts, and now the pitchers are even more dominant than they were before great job rob manfred thank you i you, you know it reminds me the first week of the season my brother is a yankees fan at the moment as we've discussed on the show before and he's watching a yankees game it goes into an extra innings game i get this really angry text message from him on opening day is like, why is there a runner on second? Why are they still doing this? I'm not watching this anymore, yada, yada. And every time I talk to my brother now, all he says is that he won't watch the game while there's an extra, well, there's a runner on second and extra innings. And, you know, more power to you, Daniel. Like, I get it. But it is worth noting that for him, that fundamentally changes an aspect of the game. He's angry about it. He's loved baseball his whole life. And he doesn't understand why this is happening or what the point of it is or what it brings to the game. And frankly, most of us don't like it. We're still watching the game as opposed to my brother who is super stubborn and like willing to just punt on it for a bit. And he'll be back. Don't worry, people. He's not like leaving baseball forever. (laughs) But I think it's Andy is spot on. You cannot just keep tinkering with the game at the margins and think that the average fan is just going to stick with you through all of your trial and error disaster that we have to watch. We have to watch these, like, I don't even know how many 10-plus strikeout games there have been per team this season, but I would bet money it is record numbers. I'll, all I see are guys striking out all of the time. Every time I turn around, this person had 14 strikeouts. This person had 13 strikeouts. It's like, that's fun. So fun watching people strike out all the time. I love this game. Yeah, if you were going for sexy, Rob Manfred, you totally killed that idea because <laughs> strikeouts are not sexy. Offense is sexy. Well, well, strikeouts are sexy when Jake Arietta is throwing them, but <laughs> oh, girl, anything that happens when Jake Arietta does it is sexy. Okay, let's not kid ourselves. But but in all seriousness, like, where is Theo on this? I kind of feel like Theo is. Um, I don't want to say like the anti. Rob Manfred, but I feel like he's done some things to help us realize that he's here to save the day type situation. Like we, he's going to rip open a shirt and have Superman on and really it's like baseball man type thing. So I think, I think that we'll probably just have to sit tight for a little while longer, but I think Theo is probably going to start making some decent changes to the baseball that we have. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that Theo really saves the day on this one. At least Theo is wise enough to try out all of his tinkerings in instructional ball and the minor leagues and we'll see we'll get the data from double a and then we'll see what happens as opposed to like hey here's a new baseball good luck (laughs) have fun with this new baseball that we deliberately engineered to make offense go away anyway more on the baseball y'all it's coming this season but first we have to talk about this national series really quickly because we are running low on time here and we want to get you back and in and out in under an hour. That's what we do here at Cup of Cubby Blue. Uh, the Nationals are coming to town. They are bringing our old friends, John Lester and Kyle Schwarber, with them. I am going to Monday's matchup with friend of the show, Ken Schultz, who we need to have on here. We have not had Ken on this show, and I think that is a we that was a mistake on our part, Andy. We got we've got to get Ken on the show. But one, we picked that game because we wanted to see the montage that the Cubs were going to put up for the Lester and Schwarber 
reunion. But two, it looks like John Lester might start that game against Adbert. And I am not sure. Does Do people remember, maybe I'm the only one that remembers this, after Adbert's first game in the majors, I was at that game, one of my favorite baseball memories ever. He came in in relief. And he wound up, there was this period of the game where he struck out five guys in a row. And I was just, the excitement in Wrigley Field at having this homegrown pitcher who was like 24 years old, struck, just making guys look silly with his stuff was so incredibly fun. And that night in the clubhouse, John Lester gave him like a bottle of champagne that was like engraved with Adbert stuff, or it might have been the next day because it was like engraved with stuff from his game and it. And he posted it on Twitter and said, welcome to the show, kid, or something like that. And I lost it. It was so great. And one of the reasons I wanted Lester on this team last year or on this, t- on this team again for this year was because I wanted him to be able to men- mentor Adbert. And I'm really glad that Jake has stepped into that role. But I'm also, it is just going to break something in my heart to watch Lester and Adbert face off at Wrigley Field. I... Honestly, I'm glad that um, you said everything that you needed to say and took as long as you did because I was getting choked up for a second. <laughs> I was like, please don't throw it over to me. I, all I can all I can picture right now is a Schwarber doing his little jig out in left field and John Lester's stare back when he walks off the mound. And like those two things with both of them in different uniforms is going to break me. And like it's it's one of those things that like, you don't know what you have until it's gone type situation because like, yeah, we miss them this season. We definitely miss them. I love when Jesse Rogers will even tweet about either one of them in our, you know, and I, I he's somebody that I, I, I get alerts on. So I, like, I'll see it in my feed. I love getting alerts on them, even though they're not Cubs anymore. They're always be Cubs in my heart. And so it, it I think that game on Monday, I'm so excited you guys are going. Um, please give Ken a hug for me. Yes, we need to have him on. But wow, that is going to be a very emotional game, I think. And, and it's probably for them too, I would guess. I mean, I can't even count how many different hugs and groups of players you're going to see, you know, around John, around Kyle. I mean, that's, I think it's just going to be a tough situation for everybody. So um yeah, it'll, it'll be a very emotional game. And knowing John Lester, he'll, he'll come out and want to be a competitor and not give a rat's butt who it's against. Um, but I'm excited for Adbert, too, because this is an opportunity for him to kind of say, hey, you know, I appreciate what you've done for me. But now, you know, I, I don't care. You know, I, you're you're a competitor now. You're you're somebody that I'm playing against. And I you taught me not to care about stuff like that. So here I am going to going to, you know, give you my A game. So. Yeah, I'm excited about that game, but wow, it, it's I'm I it's going to be emotional. It's it gonna is going to be emotional. I'm not sure I'm prepared for it. It is. It's also one of those games that I want to get into the field and at, to my seat as early as possible, so I don't miss anything that's going on on the field that wasn't captured by the cameras. You know what I mean? I'm like, I have to be there when Lester walks over to the Cubs dugout and is like hanging out with the guys and when Schwarbs gives somebody a big hug, like I need to see all of it. I'm not leaving my seat for any second of any of it because I want to see the whole thing. If they would let me in at three o'clock so that I could watch from batting practice until the end of the game, I would totally do it. I would be there for like nine hours and just like only leave to go to the bathroom. I, I need... I need pictures. I need, I need it all. I need it all because you know, that's going to happen. And it's going to be a lot of stuff that people are not going to catch. 
And yeah, I mean, you, you know, you know, the people that they're going to go talk to and how it's going to go. And so you know what to look for. So uh, yeah, that, it's going to be a different situation. And I think for a lot of different people, it'll be weird, but um, I'm happy that they have an opportunity to come back. I'm just sorry. It's not in a Cubs uniform. Look, we know that Lester and Schwarber are not the players that they were in 2016, 2017. Like we know that they're, you know, Schwarber in particular is really struggling uh, this season at the plate so far, although he's still hitting moonshots and frankly would not be shocked at all to see him crank one at Wrigley Field just for old time's sake. But they'll always have a special place in our hearts and I'm, I'm excited to get to see their return to Wrigley Field. Talking about some other nationals who will be at the plate uh, facing off against Adbert and the bullpen, we've got Trey Turner, who is has a WRC plus this season of 144. Juan Soto, who might be the best hitter of this generation, not named Mike Trout, who's currently at 120 for his WRC plus, but frankly, that is low relative to Soto's normal norms. And then Ryan Zimmerman, who uh, still playing for the Nationals, I guess. Uh, Ryan Zimmerman's WRC plus is 139. I don't mean to say that so... <laughs> So like, like I like derisively or anything, but I, it's just how old is Ryan Zimmerman now? It feels like he's been on the Nationals for forty-seven years. I don't know, but I feel like all the guys that you mentioned have broke our hearts in games that we've played the Washington Nationals at some point, and like it just reminded me that half of me like will be silently like cheering and, and hopeful for John Lester and Kyle Schwarber. And the other half of me will remember, you know, Juan Soto and all of the ridiculous hits he's had against the Chicago Cubs and Trey Turner when he like, you know, beat out a bloop single into a double, like stuff like that. So I'm like, but Oh, Kyle and John, <laughs> you know, so it'll be, it'll be really interesting because all those, all those names you just announced. And yes, Ryan Zimmerman, I was like, really? He's still playing. Are you sure he's not a coach? I, I thought Ryan Zimmerman had retired in 2019 and I, I am not trying to be, I'm really not trying to like bring about the demise of his career. He's been a great national. He's probably like their franchise guy, right? He's, he's been part of all of those teams for the time that he has been on the team. But I just, I really did not realize that he was still playing baseball, let alone doing it so he's, well. He's 36 years old. <laughs> okay, so clearly I just don't know. <laughs> I'm just trying to like prematurely end somebody's baseball career. I apologize. Hopefully Ryan Zimmerman is not listening to the Listen, show and doesn't blow it you up. better apologize to the baseball gods because Ryan Zimmerman is going to come in against the Cubs and just like make a mockery of our pitching. <laughs> Yeah, she's gonna Jose Abreu it now while I'm there, and I'm not, and it's gonna be all my fault for accidentally prematurely ending Ryan Zimmerman's baseball career. I will own that one if it happens. If Ryan Zimmerman lights up the Cubs at Wrigley Field early next week, we will definitely talk about it here at Cup of Cubby Blue. In the meantime, make sure you're following us on Twitter. We tweet out every episode and related links from our account at Cup of Cubby Blue. I am at BCB underscore Sarah. Andy is at BRYZ underscore Blue. And we are looking forward to covering Cubs baseball all season long. Till next time.